Welcome, welcome, welcome to the fourth edition of Podigus, a podcast where we speak to leaders of just about every kind of organization you can imagine in order to explore the impact of technology both today and in the future. I'm your host, Delcy Bean, the CEO of employee-owned Paragus Strategic IT, located in Hadley, Massachusetts, and serving the Pioneer Valley and beyond. With me today, I have Roseanne, the Executive Director of West Mass Elder Care. West Mass Elder Care is a private nonprofit agency located in Holyoke, Mass. They've been there since 1974 with a mission to preserve the dignity, independence, and quality of life of elders and persons with disabilities desiring to remain within their own community. Roseanne has served as Executive Director since 2018, before that, she spent 25 years at LifePath, another elder care organization in our community. Welcome, Roseanne, and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, great to be with you this morning, Delcy. To get things started, I wonder if you could start out by telling us how you came to be involved in the elder care community. Well, you know, like many things, it was happenstance. I was fortunate to have an internship in college that gave me a wide range of experience and introduced me to working with older adults, um, as well as grants that gave me a wide range of experience and introduced me to working with older adults, um, as well as grant making and contracting and other um, kind of public administration roles. And so I've built on those skills and experience throughout my career, but I have stuck to working in home and community-based settings in nonprofit organizations. So before we dive into the technical questions, I find it's often helpful to give our listeners a little bit of context. When it comes to technology, how savvy would you describe yourself to be? Well, certainly I'm not a technology native as some of our staff are. Um, when I began my work life, client-based and administrative work was paper-driven. Uh, technology and health, electronic health records came along the way. And with the bumps and the changes and the improvements, certainly, um, I use technology for work and in my personal life, but I'm not an expert by any means. As an organizational leader, it's important to have your team and partners be experts in technology and how it um, applies to our work. It gives staff the tools they need to work efficiently. And it's really important because I'm not the expert. And you know, I've sat in many technology-based meetings or uh, purchasing decisions or implementation sessions. So it's really important to have go-tos to problem solve. Uh, internal support is essential, but I think it, it's not quite enough, but it's really important to have some internal support. So, because so many platforms are technology-based. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's where we have to have that support for our phones, our copiers, our business portals, our records, um, applications now to support digital documents. But I would say that, um, you know, that list keeps going on, but a combination of internal support and an external technology partner is, is common. And that's what I depend on as a, as a leader and as a user, um, also as a decision maker. So, you know, technology is great when it's working and it's working for, for you, for all of us, right? Because you get calls with the headaches and people can't use it or having headaches and they look to uh, their leadership to say, we need it fixed. <laughs> So you've already started kind of alluding to this a little bit, but West Mass has, Elder Care has been around since 1974. You've been in the industry for almost 30 years. I have to imagine that during that time, you have seen a lot of change. 
So can you tell us about what changes you've seen that were driven by technology and how that change has impacted the community? Sure, love to. It's been it's been a journey, um, and you know our work is primarily conducted in the homes of older adults, people with disabilities, and our work with family and caregivers. So that is not by definition technology. Um, it doesn't necessitate technology, uh, but certainly you know we use our phones and devices to be in touch with people. But we assess their care needs and supports um, to make a plan to help them be at home. So technology, as I said, was, was really not part of the picture years ago, but now everything is completed on laptops, documented in consumer records, and tracked that way for ease of access and so forth. More and more data, data transfer and files are sent electronically, and moving away for pap from paper is an ongoing project. You know, it hasn't gone completely uh, out the window. Um, we are getting there, but there's always more work to do to work smarter, improve efficiency in our workflows. And, um, you know, I would say over the last 15 years or so to remain increasingly compliant with security and with, with HIPAA. Um, technology requires more resources, training, and vigilance to protect uh, against phishing, data breaches, and all the rest of it. So technology year over year has been integrated into our business and continues to be so. That makes perfect sense. And so as you look towards the future, what technologies do you think will impact you both your organization as well as the elder care community as a whole over the next, let's say, three to five years? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's been you know, a lot of, um, I would say, amplified and escalated discussion about that in the last year or so, particularly not when we look internally, but we look externally to how we reach people and how we connect with people. Um, telehealth, certainly, you know, I was on a call yesterday around telehealth training. So I think we all were perhaps propelled into telehealth a little more quickly and, and uh, by the seat of our pants. Um, but now I think it's a time to reflect and get better at it. Um, video communication, uh, smartphones, and how people want to be reached even for routine things. Um, you know, so texting, for example, was not a thing um, a few years ago in, in reaching our consumers, but now certainly, um, and the more people have access, and I don't want to paint this as a generational divide, but more one that is people who are technology familiar and people who are not, you know, users of technology in that way. Um, internally, I would say bi-directional work with our partners, um, you know, whether they're healthcare partners or colleagues to save on calls and emails and the verification of information using secure platforms. Um, I mentioned electronic data transfer. But I do want to touch on one thing, which is, um, you know, two things, technology devices in the home for various monitoring purposes. We see that and there are a lot of startups and businesses around that. But I think if we want to really keep it person-centered and centered on the client, it's really, um, we know that there's a gap and a need for technology, I'll call them coaches, we can substitute a different word. Um, for those who are not tech savvy, you know, this is really important. In our role of using technology to serve older people, uh, other people in the community that may be more limited to their homes and mobility limited or caregivers that are, that are in a role that they can't leave and go out as much and socialize. Um, our strategic goal is to use technology and to increase those technical supports, both to reduce social isolation, 
um, increase the capacity to support caregivers and bridge that digital divide. Uh, for no, those who are not familiar or accustomed with technology, that can mean different things. Internet connectivity, devices, training, support, and, and or the financial resources to stay connected. And that's a theme we've heard a lot in some of these other interviews I've done talking about kind of the digital divide and inequity and making sure that everybody has not only access, but also the support needed to be able to leverage technology. You also mentioned a little bit this idea of kind of in-home devices, monitoring devices. I'm wondering if you think there's a technology like that out there that you could imagine becoming disruptive and significantly changing the way that elder care services are provided either in your organization or outside your organization? You know, we are a people business and some of the care that we provide and the connections are very hands-on and, and rely on human connections. Um, but that aside, and that, you know, continues to be a challenge because of workforce issues and just the, um, there is more older people and people needing care in our demographic than there are perhaps younger people or people in any age cohort that are, are willing to do that work and able to do that work. So that's certainly a challenge. But one of the things um, to go to your question is really adaptive technology in the home. Um, I don't think we can imagine some of the technology that will be used in home settings to assist in care, supervision, and monitoring. So that smart technology, I think will expand more into um, supporting people at home um, and in our space. Um, for example, a common thing that we use with our, with our clients now are medication dispensing machines. So those are devices that are set up and they will um, you know, be programmed and then dispense the medication at the appropriate time. As long as that works for someone and they understand to take their medication um, when it's dispensed. But I think a big um, piece that we see now is video monitoring and communication or iPad devices. I was talking with someone um, who was referencing his experience with his mom and his siblings who said, you know, my mom is not gonna use technology. So they did find a device that is basically a monitor that she doesn't have to do anything, but they click in and can communicate with her both by you know voice and by video. So that's something that's made super simple and sort of solved their um, family connection because they're spread out in different locations. Yeah, I've followed some of that work. We do we work with some organizations that provide services to folks with developmental disabilities, and I've been following some of the advancements in technology that I think you know to your point potentially maybe solve some workforce challenges. And in other ways, I think also provide another level of independence or privacy for an individual who may be reluctant to have that in-person care that you spoke of um, when there still is enough independence that that is possible. And there's some interesting stuff, for example, being able to detect patterns and behavior if somebody hasn't gotten out of bed by a certain time of day, if somebody hasn't taken a pill from the medical dispenser, those types of technologies. Have you started seeing any of that actually in practice or is it all still kind of theoretical, talked about at conferences, but not quite in the real world just yet? You know, I recall going to a demo and, and talking with a company probably now two years ago and you're referencing um, a platform that they were um, had used, I think with a hospital system in another state. 
and it was, you know, in some kind of pilot phase and they were trying to roll it out more um, broadly, but it used artificial intelligence, right? So the monitor was set up and their patterns were keyed in. So if they didn't follow them, you know, then there would be an alert not only to them or their caregiver, but to their medical provider if, if it was warranted that need um, level of ex escalation, reminded them about appointments and so forth. But I think, you know, systems change. Um, I think the technology is there. And I think that there's use cases for it. But having systems adapt technology and I don't know if supplement or Complement their work is the right word, but that takes, I think that's probably one of the larger challenges more than the technology itself. It's the adapt adaptation and the, and the um, kind of embracing um, of that technology to get it more widespread. We were yeah, talking I about smart, smart wearables too, as a, as a way to, um, you know, connect with people. Um, particularly, you know, when they're maybe they've had an acute event or they're unstable or they need some more intensive checking, if you will, or, um, you know, checking in on them, making sure and supporting them. Um, and that, not, you know, it's not really widespread. There's not widespread use for that right now. So I think we're, you know, kind of um, the door is opened, um, but the connections I think aren't fully made. Yeah, and I think you said it earlier, with an example about the iPod or the, the tablet device for the, the family, I think in order for the real adoption to happen, it almost has to become invisible. It almost has to be so well incorporated into an environment, a setting, an individual, that they don't have to necessarily learn it or interact with it. It just becomes part of the ecosystem or the environment that they operate within. And I agree with you. I don't think we're quite there yet. But your point is good about wearable technology and other types of assistive devices. If we can continue to fine tune those and get them to a place where all I have to remember to do is put on my watch in the morning and put it on the charger at night, that can really start to have a big impact. And so it's exciting to see where this may go. And that may lead to more independence. You know, the personal emergency devices, um, they used to be boxes. And you know, if you if you took a fall, you could you could uh, speak out to it within a certain range. And now those have also um, moved to more complex um, ability to monitor certain things and also wearables. But that's you know that's a limited scope. So I think that there there's definitely baseline out there. It just needs to really be um, scaled and built through systems. I think. Hundred percent agree. So changing gears a little bit, when it comes to technology. What fears do you have? What kind of keeps you up at night when you think about tech? Yeah, I think um, kind of the obvious thing, you know, system failures <laughs> um, and that we're also technology dependent so that when something goes down, it's not that people can sort of pivot and do other things very quickly or completely because they're relying on their devices to help them to look things up, to enter information and so forth. Um, and, and now internet loss, because so much is cloud-based, you know, which lends that level of security and acts accessibility in an easy way all the time. But if that goes down, then having that failover is really important. And then lastly, I think the, you know, the big unknown for all of us every day is that security breaches and what can happen unknowingly um, by mistake. Um, or, you know, with malintent from some outside party and you become so making sure that your systems are secure 
as possible. And I, I'd say lastly, while it's not a fear per se, um, implementing technology is more than you know purchasing something, implementing and onboarding users that you know many many applications are powerful. But it takes identifying the staff who can really be your power users and giving them the training and support so that you are not only saying, oh, we've got this great software or device or whatever it is, but that you're really using it um, over time to its, its full extent and using it sort of to make your business run better and make your staff um, make their work flow better and easier so that they can do what really matters. And I think... I think you really bring up an excellent point, this idea that when we introduce new technology, it's not as simple as just pressing the button or writing the check. There's a lot more to it. And it's amazing how much technology adaptation implementation fails simply because there wasn't that right level of support. There wasn't that right level of implementation. And so the technology might've been the right product, but the right product poorly implemented, poorly trained, poorly adopted just fails. And I think you brought this up earlier, this idea of kind of technology coaches or people to help bring people along. And I think that can apply both to the, the workforce as well as the elder care community and making sure that kind of all stakeholders are being brought up along as we implement technology. Because the tech is moving quickly. We don't move as quickly, unfortunately. Um, and that support is needed. Right. And there's an element of translation between the technology experts that provide those great tools and the and the inside, which is the users, and having that bridge of, okay, you're giving us this or we purchased this, but then how is it going to translate into our day-to-day? -day? And that I think is where, you know, there's a special expertise there. Yeah. And I think that also brings up another good point, which is avoiding the idea of tech for tech's sake. There's a million tools out there. There's a million gadgets and widgets and wadgets we can buy. But rather than going out and looking for the latest and greatest, looking at the organization and saying, where can we get better? What tool do we need to solve a problem we have? And I find that when you approach it from that perspective, you tend to get better adoption because it is viewed as a solution to a problem, not another problem <laughs> that I now need to understand and learn about. Exactly, yeah, agreed. Has either of the organizations you've worked at ever suffered a major unplanned outage or cyber event? I would say no, um, thankfully. And, um, you know, I think that we've all learned and paid more attention over time and in talking with colleagues and understanding examples. And certainly, you know, things happen, things get lost, thing, laptops get misplaced. Um, that can happen with paper as well. But having a major outage, um, you know, or event, I would say no, thankfully, knock on wood all around. Um, but I think it's led us to also implement you know, procedures and processes, not only our financial audits, but IT audits that go on so that you're staying on track, um, staff training so that they know when an email is suspicious, so to speak, um, or at least they are scratching and saying, should I open this, you know, um, because we're all at risk. And then having those backups and um, failovers, having contingency planning, and then a little bit of luck. As we often talk about technology, we're usually talking about it from this lens of making things better. Have you ever found a situation where the technology seemed to actually make things worse? Well, I think um, probably a double-edged sword, but the last year has pointed out, you know, how technology has made it better. Uh, unexpectedly, we all, you know, were 
primarily were working remotely, um, but it also pointed out where the workflows were designed based on your work setting. So that things were that were typically done face-to-face -face or uh, in, you know, by people being together and documents being passed back and forth or accepting mail, even postal mail, um, you know, little things that's like, well, oh, okay, but we got to still deal with that. And so as things change rapidly, you know, our workflows did not always align. So I think that that pointed out where, you know, we had technology making it better, but then it was sort of broken or bent a little bit over here because the, the rest of the processes didn't align. So I think that just made us much more aware of the constant need to review and train and use technology to its full extent. And that's a challenge. Um, and I think the other thing is not only recognizing that something is not working, um, but that, you know, you have to then find time to adjust. And I think the other thing with technology that I've noticed is you can implement technology and perhaps not let go of some of your other work processes. So it can make it worse if you pile it on and don't sort of integrate it and say, okay, instead of doing it this way, we're going to integrate it into our technology platform. Um, and, you know, reporting is kind of a simple example of that, where people will maybe continue to do it the old way or analyze data in a different way where they really have the tool. So it's not that the technology is making it worse, it's that you're compounding your workflows by not utilizing it to its fullest extent. That reminds me of a, a doctor we worked with once who got an electronic medical record, but still insisted on charting on paper, but he also had a chart in the EMR. So he had to chart everything twice and he just didn't trust the system enough to give up the paper, but their billing was running out of the EMR. So he had to chart in the EMR as well. And it, it's your point, if you don't it, it replace one with the other and actually leverage it as an improvement, then you are just doubling up on the amount of work you're doing. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen it, especially with records, you know, consumer-based records are, you know, we, we don't have medical records, but certainly all their health information and personal data is in there. But let's just take a simple example. If the technology doesn't allow for an electronic signature or you don't have a device, then you still have that paper, um, you know, signature piece that then what do we do with that? We still need a file. And so it's those things that just become really clunky um, and the platforms don't always, uh, you know, take into account every facet of everything you have to do. Which is yeah, you know, it's amazing. No how, it's amazing. Often we create things with technology, print them out, sign them, and then scan them to put them back into the computer system. That yeah. one piece often is the the linchpin in a lot of systems. All right. Before I let you go, I want to just uh, take a quick moment, and we're going to do a segment that we call "Fast Questions from Flat Delsey." and good morning. In just a moment, Roseanne, I'm going to read you a series of choices, and your job is just to answer as quickly as possible. You ready to go? Okay. Tacos or burritos? Burritos. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Gold or silver? Gold. Candy or popcorn? Popcorn. Netflix or cable? Netflix. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Eggs or pancakes? Eggs. 
in Vermont or New Hampshire? New Hampshire. Good answer. All right, Roseanne, thank you so much for being our guest today. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I know that our audience will as well. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure.